Hey everyone, before the episode starts, we just wanted to let you know we now have a Patreon. Our patrons will get access to episodes early, monthly minisodes, and will be able to vote on the movies we choose. Go to patreon.com slash isitwet for more information. Uh, thanks so much to everyone who subscribed already. You are like the personification of how the movie Blade makes us feel. So thank you so much. everyone welcome to is it wet the podcast where we're looking for love in the most unlikely places and even if we get stung or have to spend 20 years gazing out a field wistfully we'll do it i'm sophie i'm caitlin and today we have another double feature episode we are covering the 2007 animated comedy and vegan propaganda film B-Movie, <laughs> as well as the 2020 American romantic drama and Irish exploitation film Wild Mountain Time. <laughs> yes, we are. We are doing the bees movie. We are doing <laughs> we are both doing bee the movies <laughs> about fucking bees. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. Uh, and what's great is we are recording this the day before Valentine's Day. Um, so to do two of the most romantic based <laughs> movies out there is just such a such an honor. I could not think of a better way to celebrate Valentine's Day. Yeah, I don't know of any other, you know, B-centric movie th that could be more appropriate for this time of year. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So much like much like the uh Snowpiercer slash Polar Express episode, I will be proving <laughs> that these movies take place in the same universice. Uh it's gonna be it, it's it's gonna it's same concept and I'm really excited about mm -hmm. it. But before we get into these B movies Sophie, did you have anything this week that stood out to you that was wet in some way? Um, so I think I live blogged this to you. So I don't think live blog is that. Yeah, I I, I sent you my live journal. Yeah, th that's what the, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah, I live tweeted this to you, but uh, I uh, started the Sopranos that this week. Um, I that was my goal for. 2021 was to watch even a single episode of The Sopranos. Uh, again, not because it's a bad show that I was hesitant to watch it, but just because aesthetically it's not, it doesn't really seem like it would be my thing. I really like it. I really liked it. I really liked, I liked how wet it was. Tony Soprano is a very wet dude. Yeah, All the characters yeah, are very needy. Yeah. It's just much like uh, Wild Mountain Time, it's I assume it's just a very fair representation of Irish, of Irish, of Italian American families. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, and yeah, I would say the wettest part is probably Tony Soprano um, in therapy. I don't know. There's just something very wet about a mob boss being vulnerable and opening up about his feelings. Um, Look, it's impossible for me to talk to a psychiatrist. Any thoughts at all on why you blacked out? I don't know. 
stress, maybe. And that they run a like um, a pork store. So like I think I don't know if that's a front oh, again. I I've only seen that. one episode. So there's like a lot of scenes mm-hmm. with just like pig carcasses around. And I think that's yeah. really special. Um that's gotta make it wet. Oh yeah, that's but, a staple uh, of a of of something wet. Yeah. That's a staple yeah. of wet media. Yeah. Just car- as we know, car- just if you're gonna have a dramatic scene, just put some pig carcasses. Just have them hanging hanging around yeah. you. Yeah. So I'm like excited to be catching up. On 20-year-old pop culture, just, you know, one (laughs) over many months at a time. Uh, Caitlin, how about you? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, I, this week, I crushed the most recent season that they put on Hulu of Vanderpump Rules, baby. So that's the uh, trash reality show on uh, on the Bravo Network, where it's like, have you ever seen this show, Sophie? No, I have always um, been intrigued by it because it to me it sounds like a like from the name alone. Like I know it's a reality show, probably about rich people, but <laughs> I I think of it as like. Ah, it is the Vanderpump family, and they rule this land, and they shall bestow upon us their judgment, and it shall be merciful. But, or, or I thought it was like porn because the Vanderpump just to oh, me sounds—it's yeah. like a very—I'm sure it's a Dutch name, but it sounds very, very sexual to me. Did I get? Is that anywhere oh, close to? You're what it's like about? honestly. You're like you're sort of um, uh, surrounding the bullseye. You're okay. you're not that far off, honestly. Okay. So, oops. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's like okay. So it's I think technically it's a spinoff of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Okay. Because the reason why it's called Vanderpump Rules is one of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is named Lisa Vanderpump. And she is a rich lady from the UK, and she owns a bunch of businesses in Los Angeles. So, and they've been very lucrative. And she has it. So, Vanderpump Rules focuses on her restaurants, and they're like. They're like sexy hip restaurants. They're not Ooh. just like a regular restaurant. So like one of them, the, the main restaurant that it focuses on is called Sir. And it's S-U-R. And it stands for Sexy Unique Restaurant. Great. Great. Yep. I love it. So love it. it means South in Spanish, but why not? <laughs> why not make it a dumb, dumb uh, acronym? Yep. Yeah. And <clears throat> so the people that she employs at this restaurant or like the the types of people mm-hmm. that it sort of attracts as employees are like young aspiring actors and actresses and mm-hmm. singers and people who want to work in the entertainment industry because I don't know like the the clientele that eats there is kind of I don't know what you call it just like elite uh, okay. of uh, sort of Hollywood elite so like mm-hmm. there's a chance that they might get to meet someone and they, it's mm-hmm. just like the culture that they want to be in because so they're, they're it, these young people who are like models and they're just like hot people and nice. they hire only hot people at the restaurants, um, mm-hmm. which I think is like <laughs> problematic, yeah, but whatever. Yeah, probably discriminatory. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably like, you know, Amber Crombie and Fitch rules. Yeah. Um, Which famously not fucked up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nah. Famously just a uh, really chill environment. And mm-hmm. they, so yeah, it's just like it follows the lives of several of the employees at Sir and later some of the other restaurants and they just like get in a bunch of drama and they okay. all are drunk all the time and then they cheat on each other with Ooh. each other and then it's like there's so much drama but like I think what's wettest about the show is the people are so shiny mm-hmm. like and they all have like uh glam squads that like get them ready right, and, and right. make them look really nice but it's as if they t- those glam squads i don't i've never had one so i don't know if this is part of it but it's like they take a spray at the end mm-hmm. and just like spray it all over them and yeah. it like it it just leaves like a plastic a clear plastic layer on them mm-hmm. and yeah just like their hair is so shiny and they're their makeup makes them look so shiny and their clothes are so shiny and very tight and they're yeah they're they're very tan and they their Mm -hmm. skin is really shiny it's just yeah and then they have like a lot of pool parties and stuff so that's pretty wet yeah oh i am looking up lisa vanderpump and there are like multiple pictures of her in a throne with a crown i'm not even kidding oh yes so yes, does she yes, pass yes, yes. judgment on people or like does yeah, she yeah that's have what rules? i was gonna say was um you you're you got very close because yeah she she like i think has a very hands-on role in her businesses okay. so she and certainly on the show they make it seem this way yeah she has to like fire people and and okay. put them in their place and mm-hmm. she uh yells at them to keep them in order when they're you know fighting with each other at a meeting and stuff mm-hmm. uh she definitely passes judgment i would okay. i would say i would say even on the real housewives show they all sort of pass judgment on each other and yeah. she definitely they like call her a queen on the show mm-hmm. they're like lisa is a queen and mm-hmm. she sort of is treated like royalty so okay. yeah yeah all right. So yeah, let's get into the let's, let's get, get into, into these two movies. These two B movies, which Caitlin, I'm mad because B movie is a fucking pun in the title. Yeah, it is. It itself is. It's a very like weak weak pun, but yeah, it it, it is a pun. And so because it's a pun, I guess like. So my question, and I also think that we should start with B-Movie because yes. this will um, make it, it will make more sense in me um, setting up this universe that they both exist right, in right. if we start with and B-Movie. And I'm not ready to talk about Wild Mountain Time. <laughs> oh my God, I, yeah. I, we need to work to that. Yeah. Just, we need to stare, stare at each other from our respective farms for 15 years and then, and then we can talk about it. Oh, Yes. We need to just like stand back to back with a fence in between us for decades in the rain. So <laughs> in the r- rain, <laughs> it rains a lot in both movies. That's that's definitely yes, a big yeah. big theme. And uh, yeah, so the pun of B movie, <laughs> I know is, is what is your reason? Is one of your reasons that these are in the same universe is because it rains in both no, worlds? No, 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 okay. no. Just I'm just pointing out <laughs> themes that were that were in both movies. Okay. Um, okay. But so okay, the the pun of B movie. I know that Jerry Seinfeld 
wrote a lot of this movie. And so it seems yes. like he's trying to be like, I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> this is just a silly movie. Is that what he's doing? Yeah. Like, it's t- B movie. But because if the joke is this is a good movie and we're going to call it a B movie, it's not a right. good movie. So I, ca- yeah. Honestly, I, uh, to me, I, I don't ever want to give anyone the impression that I understand the mindset of Jerry Seinfeld when he made this movie. <laughs> That's not the energy I want to put out in the world. Um, yeah, okay, fair. I, I don't know his in, uh, his intentions. We can't, there wasn't a lot there uh, wasn't a lot about the production uh but this was one of like the first big things he did because he wrote this with a lot of seinfeld writers and he cast a lot of people from seinfeld so was was this one of like the biggest things he had done post seinfeld because he kind of oh, like I definitely think it was the biggest pretty thing much he did retired since seinfeld. after yeah. seinfeld and then he was like i gotta go back yeah, for better mm-hmm. or worse, like this movie made a splash and is it's remembered and uh celebrated in <laughs> various ways. Um yes, so yeah, yeah, I definitely think this was the biggest thing he did since since Seinfeld. Yeah. And then kind of I guess maybe after that it was just that comedians in cars with creep creeps oh. creepy <laughs> creepy comedians in cars get in the car with creepy jerry seinfeld that's yeah get in the car with creepy jerry seinfeld and chug this coffee that's i think that's what the show is called (laughs) yeah i think it is like go to another location with jerry seinfeld um i yeah that's like if okay so that's like if vince gilligan made breaking bad uh-huh. And then didn't do anything else for ten years. Uh-huh. And then came back and uh made a movie for children like he did like a live action My Little Pony movie. And yeah. then did that and then you never heard from him again. And then he like showed up at uh Aaron Paul's house and was like, We're getting coffee for Netflix <laughs> together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I think that is because like I think that, like, you can ride on that success. Um, and then, but maybe, like, he, this is the movie he always wanted to do, and Seinfeld was just a chore he had to get out of the way <laughs> so that he could get enough clout and resources to be able to make B-Movie. But maybe B-Movie was, like, his magnum opus. I think it was. I think he was inspired by, like... I feel like it was trying to capture a lot of what like a bug's life was doing. Um, yes, yeah. In that, I was I was curious about the audience for this movie because I was like, this is a weird ass, very complicated plot that just keeps getting more and more complicated and weird, yeah. and it, it just like it doesn't seem like it's. And that, like, right away, you're getting smacked with, like, oh, it's this, like, this structured society where your place is, like, it's just, like, a lot of heavy themes right away smacking you with it. And it's mostly, like, puns about, yes, both bees, but also, like, yeah, just, like, corporate life and and stuff that I, I was, like, this is, 
it's trying to be a movie that appeals both to kids and has jokes for adults, but it's not doing that. It is not that. It's just the jokes for mm-hmm. adults part. And it's hard to get a bunch right. of adults to go see a CGI B movie. So I think that's why this movie was not successful. Right, right. Yeah, uh, a lot of these jokes, as I, I told you that I, a lot of them made me laugh. A lot of them made me shout just like not a word just i just went oh yeah. and i kind of convulsed not in horror disgust just in like i don't understand what this is and who this joke is for yes and you are revealing facts about this universe and about the bees in this universe that i cannot that is against like i'm learning this against my will and like Every single thing we learn more about sort of the society was was more horrifying and perplexing. Yes. But the, it, I wasn't stressed out the way that even like Osmosis Jones stressed me out. Or right. The fly. I was more just like, this is very, this is very strange. The, yes. There's some very strange choices. Um, it wasn't an unpleasant experience. It was just very perplexing. Yeah. I think this is... The weirdest movie we've, one of the weirdest movies we've done. Oh, for sure. I think, like, the opening sequence, I really liked. Like, immediately the movie sucked me in. I was like, yeah, I want to see a bunch of bee shit. Let's see a bunch of bee shit. (laughs) Jokes with bees. And I, like, if the whole movie was just the first 10 minutes, maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, that would have been great. I would have loved that. I loved everything about it. No complaints. Right. (laughs) Before it became a courtroom drama, and then a like the last twenty minutes were were like a save the world slash airline disaster movie. Oh my god! It kept adding elements to the movie that I was like, uh-huh. why did anyone yeah. let Jerry Seinfeld put this many ideas in the script? Like, right, right. It it was it yeah. It, I I loved the simplicity of let's just like make a bunch of funny bee what would a bee waking up in a bee society be like and uh yeah he i love that they use honey for everything i was confused as to what honey like what purpose honey served in the bee society right i think me being perplexed uh by this movie also sounds for my ignorance about how bee colonies work Yes, um, okay. I think like I variously learned about them, but I can't. Bees are so weird and and interesting yeah. and highly organized creatures that yes. I can't keep knowledge about them in my head because it's like it's it's so arcane. And, and I think I think you are not alone in that because I think that's uh-huh. how I think that's the where we are at our understanding of bees. Like we don't really understand them. Yeah. They're uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that I liked right away was that he gets like a little call in his from his antennas and he oh flips it around oh to be like a headset. But I think right. like I liked that because it sort of signified that in in a hive society or I know like ant colonies, it's like this too. They have a system yeah. of communication that is like that where they're able to communicate mm-hmm. just like there's there's almost like a a radio in their head that there something gets transmitted and everybody in the colony it radiates out and they all get the same sort of thing and that's why they're able to right. be so uh each bee has a different 
function and and everything works yeah. seamlessly. And mm-hmm. and I liked that they pointed that out. It really is bees are this weird magic that we'll never quite understand. And yes. they do they behave right. in ways that we don't quite understand. Um and right. so right. the theme of this movie for a while was like, oh, Barry's point was like because be like honey is so central to our existence it should be for us like honey should be for us we shouldn't be making it for humans but i i have a fundamental question about bees do bees like eat honey yes so i do have some bee facts okay okay uh, pulled up because yeah they use they make honey to store as food to eat over like the winter months okay when they're unable to forage for uh for food okay what do they eat normally? Um, they normally okay. So I know they don't eat the nectar because they need to. They need to bring it back to make turn it into honey. To, right. Um, but what do they eat, dude? What do they eat if not honey? Yeah, I couldn't. I don't know why they make honey. I guess I don't. I don't know why bees make honey and what they use it for. So I think it's it's extra food, but okay. also in the movie B movie, he uses it as hair gel, yes. as hand soap, <laughs> as mouthwash, and as deodorant. Which yes. that's how you're introduced to him. Is uh, they use it for everything in this world. Their swimming pool has honey in it. Um, that's how I knew I was in for a ride <laughs> when oh, he yeah. when he just like right off the bat. That is some B shit. I know that's what I th- I thought too. I was like, oh my god, he is. It is going in his hair, in his mouth, it under his. Yes, uh, like, yes. it, oh my god, they swim in it, everything, and uh, he within that sort of like him getting ready for his graduation. Uh, he like does all that goop with the honey, and then he mm-hmm. sharpens his stinger in yes. a pencil sharpener. Which and and then again, like a lot of the 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 stuff around the the stinger was um, whew, was uh, uh yeah like a very uh very thinly veiled dick jokes um, yeah. for sure, which I think was the point. Which I, which I mean, we're all we're all at this point fifty year old comedians watching this movie, so we're we're yeah. all on the same page about that. This is it. right exactly. Yeah. We can we can talk about uh, a phallic metaphor. That's fine amongst us. I cannot. What do bees eat? I don't what know. do they eat? Because like I kept being like, well, should we not take their honey from? Should we feel bad that we take their honey from them? But if they're not eating it, then why can't we eat it? <laughs> okay, so they eat pollen and nectar, but that's to create. Okay. All right. I am stressed out about this because I cannot get a fucking (laughs) firm answer from uh, Google right now. No, I understand. Okay, I understand the bee larvae are fed royal jelly. That's fine. Uh, I assume so. Which that could have been in this movie. It wasn't. There could have been some royal royal jelly. We and like you know what we could have met the fucking queen. The, I that was my one that was my one <laughs> criticism of this movie. I think no. they couldn't um, because because the like to our society that they're trying to map bee behavior on yeah. like, 
human a human society the function of a queen would be horrifying it would be and also isn't there isn't normally in a hive the queen is the only female and if so then they immediately got that wrong because there are lots of like he has a barry as a mom and all of that no so okay i'm glad we're starting with (laughs) b-facts welcome back Welcome back to Bee Facts. Well, podcast. I was like, when they when, so, okay. when they were like, bees cannot fly in rain. I was like, how much fact checking okay, should I be doing? That's that's, <laughs> that's false. That's false. That's what we I also thought. do know that's how we also it starts with a lie. So this movie starts with by every. Um, According to all known laws of aviation, there is no way that a bee should be able to fly. Its wings are too small to get its fat little body off the ground. The bee, of course, flies anyway, because bees don't care what humans think is impossible. First of all, I don't know, like, are there laws of aviation? I don't know. Like, is that a thing in physics? Um, second of all, we do. We do know yeah. how how bees fly. Um, I don't, but, like, people we do. do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, like, probably, again, you know, I'm sure Lisa Vanderpump or um, Shonda Rhimes or anyone else they who has a real job in society, unlike me, knows how bees fly. So, okay, so I'm reading the I'm reading an article that's fact checking bee movie. Okay, uh, it's on a a beeswax candle website. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want any bees, beeswax so uh so apparently uh barry is said to be a worker bee this is impossible as he is male drones do little oh. to no work around the hive as their sole p- purpose in life is to procreate um so most worker bee all worker bees are female gotcha and drones so if this was accurate he would have one job he would not get to choose what that job was <laughs> And this movie would be really fucked up. Yeah. It would be like Mad Max Fury Road. It would be. It would be. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, For sure. And, and like, that doesn't mean that, like, this doesn't work for bees, but, like, humanizing bees structure accurately, I think, would be... um, would be horrifying. And I think there is something interesting, again, getting into showing a more collectivist culture... Um, that we'll get it. We'll get into. Yeah, the no, I didn't. I didn't think like all of the themes in this movie were bad, which was no, no. which was surprising yeah. to me. However, I was like, I I really asked myself, could mm-hmm. they have like uh, stuck to similar themes and not blown open, like blown open wide the universe of like a global event has happened where humanity yeah. has figured out that bees speak and we mm-hmm. can talk to them and yeah. like fully communicate with them like this has bl- like this that's is not what's important though <laughs> the important thing is that they're suing yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, i'm gonna do my obama impression because obama was pre- was president at the time ladies and gentlemen uh i've been informed that the bees do talk and they are litigious <laughs> Like, they could have had this story about bees sort of, like, Uh coming to a realization that, like, the things that they thought they knew about the world and about humans and about all of that 
um, oh, we, we learned these big truths and now we have to think about how our society is structured and ha- how we want to participate and all of that. Mm-hmm. Why did he have to meet a human? And like, why did that part of it? Because it... Ch- it Caitlin, it- if you ask why <laughs> to any part of why, why this movie needed to be this way or needed to veer in these directions, I'm not... I don't know. I'm not going to have any. <laughs> like, the universe doesn't have an answer for you. I don't think That's a good Jerry point. Seinfeld could do it. I just kept being like, they have done something. They have done something that they really didn't address. He didn't address mm-hmm. the fact that, like, humans and bees can talk to each other now. <laughs> this is... Th- he has blown open wide a, a, this right. this this universe that he's created. And I just... Uh, it was really ambitious. It was it, very yeah. ambitious. I don't I don't know that it was successful. <laughs> I would say that this movie exemplifies Marxist theory better than Snowpiercer or any other film we've done. <laughs> um be, and and not saying that it's it's Marxist or that it had like a particularly strong left-wing um mm-hmm. message, but just the idea of showing how sort of like what it looks like when people do not own people <laughs> when, yeah. when bees don't own the means of production and that kind of mm-hmm. exploitation alienation from your labor from the product of your labor which is the, yep. the honey and what it what it can look like if you know the workers of the world were to uh put down the instruments of honey making that it would have this sort of cataclysmic event and we see how much of of our lives are so dependent on bees and and yeah. their, and their labor, and I think that that's the main thing. That was again part of Jerry Seinfeld's uh, vision is just exploring those themes. Yes, honestly, like that's so true, and I love that about this movie. Mm-hmm. I do, I do love that about this movie. It's uh, there were some other weird layers that got added, but when you think <laughs> about it that way. Like the whole courtroom thing, yeah. the, the suing, that was that was strange. That was straight up weird. That was a weird direction to go in. Uh, should we should we talk like should we give a little summary of this movie movie? Um, if anyone does want to watch it, um, I recommend the the six minute YouTube version, the very famous one that I sent you. That's like every. Yeah. Uh, B movie, but every time they say B, it speeds up fifteen percent. It's a very mm-hmm. efficient way of watching it, and it's the same sort of. Uh, it's the same sort of like um, uh, assault on your it's senses. The same sort of like assault on your senses yeah. as watching as watching the real oh, totally. the real movie. Yeah, it's also definitely. I want to give a shout out to the the other video you sent me that I have have seen a million times where. What is the premise of it? It's just the line, do you like jazz? <laughs> like a mil- a billion times or something? It's a yeah, it it it, <laughs> it uh multi- So, yeah, this movie became a big meme like uh probably uh like 7 years after it was released. <laughs> it became a big part of like millennial meme culture. Yes. Um on Twitter and Tumblr and um and like I think a bit was like posting the B movie script in like un- <laughs> uh, like unexpected places. Yes. Um 
and the full movie. You could you could watch the full movie on Pornhub. <laughs> um, you probably which still is where can. It belongs, frankly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the basic the basic plot. We'll explain the basic plot of the movie because then we can sort of like mm-hmm. dive in at various points and and talk about yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. so. Barry wakes up and it's the day of his graduation and he and his best Matthew Broderick friend go and choose their jobs that they're going to have for the rest of their lives because they joke mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie and then they sort of don't joke about it again. Um, they they sort of riff on the short lifespan of insects and how right, right. that he's going to have the job Which, for the rest of his life, but that's not that long. <laughs> if you're going to leave your your live-in partner for a bee, you gotta you gotta keep that in mind. You do have to keep that that's in mind. Yeah, the different. Yeah, we yeah. will talk about how she leaves her husband for a bee, um, <laughs> or I don't know that they're married, but but it's tough yeah. to, tough to tell. Um, it's, yeah, yeah. So they B- Barry is very not into this idea of just like. J- being locked into a job for the rest of your life and just like day in and day out the same grind so he and he like wants to go out and see the world and be a pollen jock and those those are like the uh popular guys who go out and extract the pollen from the flowers Mm -hmm. and bring it back to the hive and so they their days are interesting unlike the rest of the hive Mm -hmm. but barry can't he's like not a jock so that he can't do that but he just like one day goes out of the hive and he discovers he discovers humans and that they're there's they're really hot and (laughs) they're really sexy and uh they have they're making honey he discovers honey on on the shelves and then i'll I'll Mm -hmm. sort of toss it to you for the next part yeah so he becomes again he feels that uh worker alienation from the product of his labor that is being exploited by by humans Mm -hmm. and he discovers that he also discovers a bee farm where it's they call it worker camps which is like pretty extreme b movie uh yeah but he basically sees like he they they imagine hives uh sort of uh bee farms as sort of yeah places of mass exploitation uh if i didn't say this this animated film is for children and was marketed towards children because up to now that that was not clear oh yeah in in in, in any part of this um and so his main way of fighting this system is he he says he's going to sue the human race yes all of it and he's gonna get a florist the florist who he had a meet cute with who uh refused to kill him he's gonna get her help because she her parents wanted her to be a lawyer and so that's her main legal background and his best friend matthew broderick um and they so i guess they sue the big big honey company Mm -hmm. and then he wins and then bees basically get all of the honey back and it halts their work because they have all the honey they need and then that starts mass sort of uh chain devastation of the ecosystem in the last 30 minutes of the movie we just uh, get thrown into that um and then and then there's some an aviation disaster which we can get further so that's the that is the premise of this 
movie. Um, in in the first five minutes, this movie is going to show that just that we are not grounded in in, in anything. In that, like, it's both. I'm not sure what bee culture is. And they're, again, mapping it onto human culture, but in ways that are startling. So they kind of say, oh, I'm not, they mention a friend of theirs who's died. And they said, I'm not going to his funeral. It's his fault he used his stinger. And again, that kind of callous disregard for his fellow bee's life. Yeah. Is very at odds then with his sort of rage around their exploitation um it's it's definitely not clear what what is going on in this movie yeah yeah <laughs> or it's definitely character. not clear yeah. yeah they also say like she's hot oh she's my cousin oh we're all cousins and then they just leave yes. that out there for us which they say sure. it many times Many times throughout the movie, they make it clear that all of the bees are related to each other and yet they're all um, falling in love with each other. And I don't like why make us you're not offering us anything with that. You don't, um, you don't need to remind us that like, yeah, I don't. I don't Cause know. also like, yeah. again, you are you are mapping human culture onto the bee culture and it's not the same. Like it's the way that right, like right. we're all cousins that's not the same thing in like a hive. <laughs> that's right, not, right, and they don't like right. uh, yeah. you, you know procreate the same way that we do, and and all of that. Yeah. But yeah, one of the things that I thought was going to make me like this movie because again, the first like five to ten minutes are decent. You know, if you turn yeah. it off after that, you're like, oh, what a delightful, <laughs> what a yeah. fun little bee world. Um, the the bees uh, drive little cars, and the sounds that the cars make are like yes. little farts. It was so yes, cute. <laughs> it was really I cute. I think a big part of this movie, I think a big part of this movie had to have been because like the way that they animated liquid, especially the honey, mm -hmm. was beautiful. It was sensational. So I think they just figured out how to do that really well. And then they were like, I, I, everybody won't really care about like we can make everything else right. look like really just horrifying and because the the characters have this plastic quality to them this non yes. non pixar character quality to yeah. them and that was very it's horrifying goopy to yeah. me yeah it was very wet um it has and i i shared mm -hmm. this with you it has the same animation style that a lot of these like dystopian YouTube channels uh, for like infants and children have that are like just these babies and, and hellish animals and characters singing the same songs over and over again and it, it is a hellscape that infants love um, but to me it, it is terrifying and that that's the anime that's what we're working with we're working with that animation style and um oh boy that that was definitely a wet moment the fart cars yep. again that just was a fun thing i really i loved the um the introduction of the the pollen jocks those sexy sexy pollen jocks i loved it because uh there again a lot of tropes going on in this movie but they're like commanding 
uh, be general mm -hmm. or officer is like, you're all monsters. You, you're sky freaks. I love it. I love it. Okay, ladies, let's move it out. Yeah, he his energy was was intense. I five people, <laughs> including Jerry Seinfeld, wrote this movie. Yeah. Your sky free yeah, great energy. And then uh I think Barry says to them, or someone says to them, Again, because we're we're sexualizing the we're sexualizing bees in this oh, movie, yeah. of course. But, but I mean, especially in both movies, these Paul yeah. and Joe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> None more so than Emily Blunt. Yeah. Um oh boy. I'm gonna say it, but have we checked on Emily Blunt? Is she okay? Ooh, Is she looking wistful? I don't th I think that she may have uh expired due to ennui. <laughs> okay, all right. Someone's got a Someone's I know someone gonna, needs to anyway. check check in on her. Yeah, check check on on her. Um, we will get to that. I think Barry says to them, "Pound those petunias, you striped stem suckers." Yep, oh he does. And then those pollen jocks have these guns that they yeah. use to extract the pollen from the flowers, mm -hmm. and they're like these. They're disgusting. It's like Cronenberg designed these guns because yeah. they're like, they're these guns with a big, uh, on the end of it, there's not one barrel. There's like a bunch, there's like six barrels or something in the shape of a hive in in like a right. hexagon shape. And out of each of the holes, so there's six holes, comes these little like, rubber tendril things that attach mm -hmm. themselves in they go inside the flower and they suck out the nectar um and and the pollen yeah. the pollen it's a little bit drier the nectar it's it's a little bit wetter of a of an experience but yes. they're yeah. just like yeah. and they and it's like like the noises when it's like sucking the nectar out and then these tendrils oh, like yeah. suck back into the guns and i was like what are these like fucking cronenberg <laughs> tendril guns that they have they're dis they're like kind of alive almost they're i was really fixated on on the guns <laughs> i mean that would make me feel better if this had been cronenberg's like first animated picture <laughs> i would be like okay all right i didn't see you on tv every week in the 90s <laughs> yeah. uh complaining complaining about close talkers like that's fine yeah um i've i've i know you from the fly so i all of the horror in this i yes. like that's okay but i mean it's just just welcome welcome to jerry seinfeld's twisted mind oh um, yeah okay so so on that same topic of jerry seinfeld's twisted mind so we yes. had discussed earlier like i i had a big um question in this movie like why and we can't answer this we just can't but like why are they falling in love like why is this human right. and this bee why are they falling in love yeah. and so we had this question of like do they fuck like what so right. 
in my mind and they did not kiss or have any they they just like he had a fantasy about her at one point sorry in your mind please get please i just interrupted you you were about to explain how <laughs> no. a bee was gonna fuck a human and i interrupted you <laughs> well, oh boy well, the the old it's just like the only thing i could think for it to happen is uh-huh. if th- i was thinking about those guns and i was like okay that's sort of a very <sighs> sexual exchange that happens there and these guns are uh sort of you know this an invention that they've come up with to to deal with a problem that they need what if th- th- it's possible that there's a device that he could use that's very similar to the gun that would allow for some sort of exchange of pleasures i don't know okay yeah yeah i was gonna say um (laughs) oh boy we're getting into like uh our cut segment that we did about whether you can fuck osmosis jones i was gonna say there's like like a small little b like i mean there's not much you can do but like i think their their relationship could be built on sort of uh other ways of exchange yeah exchanging pleasure there's like on a small scale i'm sure there there's something they could figure out um the movie yeah as brave as this movie is and tackling so many really <laughs> tough subjects they did yeah they did not go all the way and 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 show like even like a them like getting married or or um relaxing with her children um yeah which is it's weird that they didn't show that because they they make it very clear in the movie that barry has a huge crush on renee zellweger's character yeah and like they make fun of him for he thinks he that she's his girlfriend and he's like she's not my girlfriend but he like kind of thinks she's his girlfriend Mm -hmm. and it's a little unclear to me what her feelings are towards him mm-hmm. but then they do make it extremely clear that the partner uh, yeah her, her partner um who's played by patrick warburton he is jealous mm-hmm. straight up jealous of the bee he's romantically and sexually jealous yes, yes. like in yeah. yes he is jealous in that way of the bee and then the yeah. movie makes it very clear that Renee Zellweger and Patrick Warburton separate and she kicks him out and they are no longer yes. a couple. Yeah. And so like if you set all of yeah. that up so clearly, why not just uh, you know answer those lingering questions for us like are they together? Are they not? Uh Right. Are they are they together? I mean, this is all ground broken by Donkey and Dragon and Shrek. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I I think kids are ready. I agree. I think they're ready. Yeah, I agree. That's why I was like, if you're going to be so brave with all of this other stuff, why not? Like, yeah. And it was it's the same. It's DreamWorks, too. Right. Like, come on. You I think we might get uh, we could just cut in the birth scene from the fog. Oh yeah, because that's what it would be. <laughs> Holy shit! Like, yeah, that is what it would oh, be. God. You're right. Uh, uh. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Boy. Something that was very surprising was this is the second movie we've watched where Chris Rock plays like a little bug guy character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no idea he was in this. A sympathetic mosquito. Yeah. Yeah. For for a couple minutes. No, Chris Rock was delightful. Mm-hmm in his cameo in this just keep still what 
You're not dead? Do I look dead? Hey, man, they will wipe anything that moves. Now, where you headed? To Honey Farms. I am onto something huge here. I'm going to Alaska. Moose blood. Crazy stuff. Blows your head off. I loved, I loved a lot the voice acting uh, by everyone but Jerry Seinfeld. Right. Um, I love. I thought Renee Zellweger was doing the most uh, off the wall shit imaginable, particularly the the scene where she finds out he's a bee. Yes. Her, I mean, she's delightful. She always makes just the furthest decision with her voice that <laughs> yes. that uh, logically would make sense. Yes. To- to, to happen acting wise and I love it I think Patrick Warburton is great mm-hmm. uh, he was my favorite character he is a character that is introduced um, by him saying I predicted global warming <laughs> yeah. um, and then his whole thing is that he frozen yogurt night is very important to him and she keeps messing it up mm-hmm. and he keeps getting like thwarted for his frozen yogurt night and I honestly think that's a great like uh, that's a really firmly established character yes yeah i agree yeah yeah whereas like all we know about vanessa bloom is like flowers Mm -hmm. and and she loves she loves bees and flowers which again is as much as we can really expect at that time for a romantic lead uh female lead in in a movie of this caliber unfortunately yeah yeah um, especially written by jerry seinfeld yeah (laughs) So let's see. There was a very critically wet scene with Patrick Warburton's character and uh, Barry where he flushes Barry down the toilet and Barry then like surfs the toilet water on a nail file and splashes toilet water up in Patrick Warburton's face. And he's like, oh, poopy water. Uh, And I was just like, this is disgusting. Like they, I... This is horrifying, too. Yeah. Because he is trying to murder a romantic rival that I think just won a lawsuit or is in mid-lawsuit, is is capable of, of advanced critical thinking enough to represent themselves pro se. Um, I assume this is the Supreme Court. I had to I, assume that, too. It was too. not clear to yeah. me. I, it's, it is very unclear. And we, we should talk about John yeah. Goodman's character, or, but... No, because there was one judge, but, uh, so, but, you know, it could have been, like, a... I don't know. I, it's, I also thought, like, does the rest of the world know about this? Like, is it only... Right, right. Is all, or is the rest of the world talking well, to their bees? Bee Larry King Live. Oh, yeah, so. you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Bee, bee uh, Sting knows about this. Oh, boy. Um, Ray Liotta knows about it. Yeah, so. Oh, boy. Just that's when the movie broke down for me. Um, and rest in peace, Larry mm-hmm. King. This is great, a great uh, tribute way to appreciate your <laughs> yeah. legacy in, in, this, in this. And it was actually a funny, a funny. It was, scene, yeah, because it, um, it like broke the fourth wall a little bit. It, it broke the fourth wall. Um, and yeah, they just call him B. Larry yeah. King, and then they just start calling things. They just say like things are like B things. So he says. That, like, aren't there a lot, like, can individual bees be great? Like, be Columbus, be Gandhi, be Jesus. So, in, in this mm-hmm. universe, human history has, like, a parallel... First of all, 
fucked up that he's supporting B. Columbus. Oh, I thought that too. I was like, that's what are not you right. Doing? I'm not. I'm not excited to hear that there's a B equivalent yeah. to Columbus. Yeah. Which the implications of that are <laughs> yes. staggering. So they're telling me that B history has had a similar trajectory and corollary to human history. Uh, so B Jesus. So there's like religion. Oh yeah. Um, so there was a Ro- a B Roman Empire, mm-hmm. and they occupied B Jesus's land, and then he had. 12 B yes. disciples and they bearrested him and he was um be hung on a on a bee yes. cross and then he be died and 3 B days later he be rose again yes that is what you're telling be me be hallelujah yes is canon <laughs> <laughs> okay all right I- yeah it's all right again I know these are throwaway jokes, uh, but it's it's to me these throwaway attempt like um, sort of pop culture or or jokes for adults make this world so yes. terrifying. And it, I wonder, like, is yes. there a B equivalent of every human, or is it just celebrities and famous people? You know, like, is there a B sting? I mean, is because we saw regular sting. Is this us? Like, are there are there are bees just like everyone? I think tether? so. Yeah. And when they when they figure that out, they're gonna rise up. Um, he went through the courts, but the next time bees are gonna they they won't be coming through no. the courts. They'll be they'll be coming to our, our yeah. houses. Um, yeah. Uh, Jordan Jordan Peele has some real questions to answer about where he got the idea (laughs) for us i i completely agree and i'm gonna pause it it was oh it totally was that's that was i think there's gonna be i think once again jerry seinfeld's gonna get litigious and um and start coming after jordan peele next for for this um caitlin yes Oh, there is a dial. There is a dialogue scene that um, I th- well, you wrote a lot of this movie to me and my and my uh, beliefs. I think that you wrote some of this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, so they're talking when Barry goes on his sort of meet cute mm-hmm. with the uh, Vanessa. He comes back to the hive and he's like, "I met someone." He says that to Matthew Roderick, and he was like, "No, okay, not a wasp. Your parents will kill you." A spider? And he says, "Ah, I'm not attracted to the spiders. I know with everyone, it's like the hottest thing with all the eight legs and all. And I can't get by that face. Uh, I think that's like, uh, that's a Miss Spider reference for sure. Oh, yeah. Or and about just like probably a long, the long canon we have of hot spider characters like Charlotte and Charlotte's Web. Oh, yeah. She was hot. She was hot. Yeah. So this is. So is you're there saying a spider character that hasn't been sexy? Uh no, because like Aragog, he's like swole in that movie. Aragog. So he's like, you know. Go. I think not. My sons and daughters do not harm Hagrid on my command, but I cannot deny them fresh meat when it wanders so willingly into our midst. Oh, and yeah. uh, Shelob, 
Oh my god, like, just super hot. And when they go in, there's no coming out. She's always hungry. She always needs to feed. So yeah, I think, I think like, it's canon that all, I think, yeah, I think Jerry Seinfeld was referencing just the idea that, like, all spiders are hot. Like, that's just a fact. Yes, we all know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like they were kind of making a joke as if dating outside your species is kind of because he also has like an uncle who's like, oh, I once uh, in Vegas, I once I once made love to a um, oh yes, yes. A grasshopper and and. <laughs> I don't know if he straight up. No, I think he did. No, he, no, he, I guess he didn't say made love, but he did say something about a grasshopper. Yeah. Um, which great. So I think like dating outside of your species, it did sound to me like he was making it like a gay joke. Oh, like your parents. That's how I read it. And again, uh, boy, both of these movies, like just have gay characters instead of like, yeah allusions to uh to being gay just like if you're gonna have a greatest showman if that's gonna be a metaphor yeah it is it's the greatest showman no one is no one is (laughs) expecting no one would ever expect the greatest of all showmen to be straight no one's expecting that why yeah it it really is um the greatest the greatest one I one of my favorite wet lines from B movie is and it also really made me question I it just it made me have so many questions. It, at one point Barry yeah. says, I'm gonna go drain the old stinger. And he means he's gonna go yeah. pee. So yeah. do bees pee out of their stingers? Like what? <laughs> um yeah, this this is um this is the question I had because later Matthew Broderick gets really angry in the courtroom and and stings the oh, yeah. the opposing counsel's lawyer, and uh, so he goes to the then he's like dying. He goes to a human hospital. Yes, and he is he is lying in a human hospital <laughs> bed. They're using New York City hospital resources yep. on, on on a honeybee a nurse a nurse <laughs> in the hospital inserted a needle intravenously into a bee's arm and has hooked him up to to honey to honey <laughs> are there blood is there blood honey oh god okay no we don't have time <laughs> i know Oh boy. I, that's what I thought. I was like, okay, I get that they use honey for everything, but you like, do they eat it? Is it their blood? Like, well, you gotta, you you gotta answer for some of these crimes. Very <laughs> exactly. You have you have to have some accountability. Yeah. Um. So it was. Uh. And then he asked him. Barry asked his best friend what it was like to sting someone, and he mm-hmm. said it was all adrenaline, and then it was ecstasy. So. Did like does stinging someone is that like an orgasm? Are there? I get that it was like supposed to be their dick. The stingers. Yeah. I think like so they because when a bee stings you, it mm-hmm. most likely is then gonna die because it rips yeah. it out of them. I I think they're. Do you know how people say like 
isn't there a thing like in in France they say an orgasm is like a little death or yes. something? Yeah. So yeah. I think it's like that where the, that it's like the moment before death must okay. be this like ecstasy moment because if it wasn't like that's that's more palatable than uh it hurts to die i guess right, i don't know right. <laughs> Which, um again this is for children so <laughs> maybe they, they wanted to be not be like children listen when you die it's going to be painful and scary and you're going to be alone <laughs> instead they're like it's going to be we're going to instead liken it to, uh, to an orgasm it's an orgasm <laughs> yeah what the i mean fuck, this is Jerry what the fuck what jerry the seinfeld fuck? I don't know. I mean, so and then when the so after Barry's friend uh, stings the lawyer, and I believe he stings the lawyer on the butt. I think I looked away for a second when that happened because I, I think, didn't I see where correct. he stung him. Yeah. But yeah, when you get back to the courtroom, the John Goodman lawyer character is. In a giant baby, what would, what would you call that like bouncing baby thing that he's in? Uh, that's he's in like a um kind of like a walker, a bounce a bouncing yeah. walk walker. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think to make the he's playing up the like that the the other side really grievously injured him so he's in a baby bouncer and he has like a why wouldn't he be brace. in a like why wouldn't he be in a wheelchair or something like w- like what would happen to someone if they got injured okay yes so i think we should talk about this courtroom scene this this almost i would say a sidebar in this movie oh uh, yeah <laughs> uh, uh, yeah just a legal sidebar I think this is the first legal. Oh yeah, just movie a re- done. Oh, just I think this is just the legal. regular sidebar. Yeah. yeah. Oh, would you look at that? No, and no it's frills or anything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't right. even have to. You actually don't have to do anything this time. I can just grab the Law right. and Order thing. <laughs> right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen of the court of the courtroom, please rise for the honorable judge. All right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen of the jury and audience of bees and humans, half of this courtroom is bees, half of it is humans. Let's all let's all just be cool with it. All right. So the case we are presented with today is one of Mr. B. Benson versus uh, this multinational conglomerate that makes all the honey in the world and what they are arguing today, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, uh, is not a not a simple sort of torts property case. It is uh, it is a case about this case will determine who is more inhumane. Are humans uh, the more depraved, or are bees? Do bees have a soul? And and must we respect their autonomy this case is so high stakes so we're gonna some of the exhibits we're gonna have are a live bear that's gonna happen uh because the bees find it fucked up that uh 
they put we put honey in inside of their natural enemy uh and yeah um, so this is really weird because mm -hmm. i'm just realizing now they end up doing that where they're just like we're gonna try to prove who is worse and that's right, not right. what the court case was trying to that's do that's not a good right? legal strategy yeah it was just over who has who should have control of yeah the, the yeah the right to honey and yeah the products of of bees labor and instead they made it a very emotional ar argument about yeah who yeah. who is more is worse who is worse and like um i mean it's clear that bees have a long historical list of crimes that are it seems directly parallel to humans um based on yeah oh yeah <laughs> of course based on their their treatment of bee jesus um and yep. uh and the existence of bee columbus oh boy mm -hmm. okay <laughs> that it's 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 a weird legal strategy i don't i don't know again it is we could get into a lot of good legal strategies that um the bees could have made a lot of uh, case precedents they could have cited but uh if jerry mm -hmm. seinfeld's not doing the work i'm not doing the work yeah yeah <laughs> i agree and so yeah they end up then proving that i guess like humans are worse than bees and so yeah. they give the honey back to the bees and then yeah i mean the last thing that i would love to discuss is just at some point like I don't know if maybe they were like, I think we need, we have like a goal of runtime that yes, we need to yeah. do. And mm -hmm. we're like, we're like six minutes short of the runtime. Mm -hmm. So we need to put something in there. And so they insert this like, uh, plain, I don't even know what you call it. Like a, yeah, a plane, like a disaster movie sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Plain, plain drama, um, which is its own. I think genre like trouble with the yeah. aviation troubles spotted yeah. flippy flippy fly fly in the sky picture <laughs> oh yes that sort of period that sort of, piece these sort of films you know where the pilot's yes. like sorry chaps we're going straight down and so together a bee and a human yeah. He he goes, watch me fly and steer like that. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> they're in the cockpit. So they have a very funny scene where Barry the Bee, uh, in, a, in a bit to make the, the pilots land faster in, um, oh, yeah. in conditions that are not safe to land so that they can repollinate the earth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, or just like New York, I guess. Uh, yeah. He goes into the cockpit, um, and manages to knock out through a wacky hijinks. Again, this is the point <laughs> in the movie where I saw that there was 30 minutes left and I, I, uh, increased my Netflix to 1.25 speeds. So this became even <laughs> more chaotic. So I'm going to be honest. I don't know how they got knocked out. I assume it was just I don't either. Hijinks. I think, yeah. no. I, I, I again like, I blinked and they were they were knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. I think they probably try to like smack him. Um, even though yeah. everyone knows at this point that bees can talk and they have uh 
they have like wills of their own and they're, they're fully, yep. fully sentient. Um, and so he calls Vanessa to the, the um, cockpit and he kind of has a realization. Oh, I can fly. The plane is the same by all laws <laughs> of av- aviation. I shouldn't be able to fly it. Neither should this plane. So I got it. Yep. That is the logic that they had established at the beginning of the movie, the very untrue uh, reality that bees, it should not be possible for bees to fly. They, They set that up. And so then they say, neither should planes. So we can fly this. <laughs> right, right. Oh, boy. And and then the bees of the world uh, unite and help land the plane. And it's, you know, and, and they discover, oh, you know, we should do work. But like on our own terms, I think it's the it's not a bad message. And I think the message is like, right, it's OK to be, you know, have a small job in a larger a larger group effort uh if you're doing something important which i think is a great which is not a a message you get in a lot of hollywood films that like being a cog in the machine of something good is can be important Yeah. yeah um and and they show that like his friend always really wanted to be the job where you just have a big finger on your you put a big finger on your head and you you uh, scoop up the last drip of honey um, before you put the cap on. He like yeah. really Matthew Broderick really wanted to to do that job, and oh, he gets to he gets to do that yeah. at the end. So you know we got oh, some closure boy. there. Oh, yeah. we also forgot to say that when they release the Matthew Broderick B out mm-hmm. of the hospital as a replacement stinger, they've given him a uh, oh, cocktail. Boy. Straw or uh, cocktail sword, <laughs> and that was cute. Oh boy, yeah, it was cute. I will give him that. That like, yeah. I think yeah. an anthropomorphic bee would do that if they lost their yeah. stinger. Yeah, I think that was that, would be that was appropriate. Cute. Um, I had a few more moments that I thought uh, to mention. A critical web moment, and maybe my favorite joke is when mm. he is. He's trying to infiltrate one of the bee farms, so he um, sticks to the windshield of a truck yes. going to the bee farm, and that is that's where he meets Chris Rock's mosquito character. Yes, right? Okay, I think so. Yeah, and it's very chaotic. They're all like struggling on the windshield as the wiper goes, and then we cut from that sort of like chaos to the very pleasant inside of the truck, where we just hear. This is NPR. I'm Carl Castle. Jerry Seinfeld, who, like, I understand these are adult jokes. Um, it mm-hmm. made me laugh very hard because I was just like, I hope that they actually got uh, Carl Castle in this. And if so, is there a B Carl Castle? I don't know. I think we I think we have to assume that there is. We have to assume. So... That means, like, there's a B, Melissa Block. Um, yeah. There's a B, um, Dina Temple-Raston. Uh, there's a B, I really have been training for this all my life, and I'm, I'm, I grew up in an NPR family, and it's just not, not coming to me. 
But anyway, we have to we have to make that assumption. Yeah, I think so too. How else are the bees going to get the bees need their news also, you know? Their their sort of ASMR yeah. radio news. Um Okay. So at the end, when they are not the end, but when they win the court case. <laughs> yeah. So, at what I thought was going to be the end. <laughs> <laughs> the end of any like logical movie that had set this up. Yes. Uh, they win the court case, and it is a monumental case yes. because the amount of change that comes from this ruling is staggering. So they basically let all of these worker worker bees out of out of the bee farms. They find a target, and a SWAT team takes out Winnie the Pooh. Oh fuck! I forgot about that until now. <laughs> yeah. I think they trank him or they kill him. We see some crosshairs on Winnie the Pooh. Yep. It's a different animation style on mm-hmm. him. Uh, so kids get to see Winnie the Pooh die, which is yep. fun. Just a fun Jerry. Just right in front of Piglet. And, and the guy says to Piglet, like, all right, we'll be, uh, see ya. He'll be. <laughs> see <in> the- ya. <laughs> we so. basically get, like, paramilitary force on behalf of bees. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, And, oh, they come and kidnap Sting. Perhaps yep. because the movie is set up that it is offensive that Sting is called Sting. Mm-hmm. They That was the only celebrity joke that, other than Ray Liotta, for some reason, who has honey a honey brand in this, which mm-hmm. is funny. That was the only celebrity pun they could make. Um, yes. I expected more. I thought there was going I, to be more. <laughs> And I, I started to, like, think of what they might be. And I was like, I, right. yeah, I guess I can't come up with any either. <laughs> F- fuck it. Uh, be Larry King. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just put a fuck B it, before it. This, be Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I don't want to, like, speculate about, uh, I don't know if Jerry's Seinfeld's uh, history with sobriety or not. But if they were not on cocaine... I, yeah, I just, I don't. It would be very tough to explain how how this happened. Yeah. yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, and then okay, and then at the end where where you know uh, Vanessa's kind of mad at at Barry for the impacts of the court case that have mm-hmm. doomed all life on Earth uh, to death. She's mad at him as if she wasn't like helping him. Yeah. As like she's this is also on you, um, and then so they kind of have this like rooftop talk where uh, he goes. How about a suicide pact? How do we do it? I'll sting you. You step on me. That just kills you twice. Right. right. Oh my god, that was so fucked up. (laughs) And like it was, it could have been like a cute, like maybe romantic comedy moments in an adult film. Mm-hmm. Even then, if there's a romantic comedy that involves like cataclysmic ecosystem devastation, point me in that direction. Yeah. Um, and then she was like, "How would you do it?" And he was like, "Oh, I'd sting you, and then you'd you can step on me." And and she did go, and she's like, "Oh, well, you would die twice," which is you know. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. And then my last thing I'm gonna say is they got a Beatles cover. When they repolish oh, the world, yeah. they get the sun. 
That must alone have been like $200,000. I thought the same thing. I was like, holy shit, the rights to this. Like, right. Yeah. And I think it went, all the money went to paying Sting, Ray Liotta, and Paul McCartney. And that's why the animation looks the way it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. They had a little bit of money left over just to figure out the, um, to get the honey to look really good. And yes. then completely yeah. ran out of money <laughs> for sure oh boy do you have any any more on b movie i i'm all out i i am all out on b movie but what i'll do now is sort of transition us into wild mountain time by revealing what the connection is between them oh yeah this is a perfect time <laughs> to eat a cupcake so we know that B-Movie has established that this is a world in which bees are aware, uh, fully aware of like how the human world works. And humans are now, uh, because of the actions of Barry and Renee Zellweger, now the whole world knows about bees. and ha- or, Not about bees. Um, the whole world knows that bees can talk and they know what bees want and desire and that they can have relationships with humans because everyone's talking about uh, Barry and Renee Zellweger. And so because we know that there are also like parallels, uh, like there's a Larry King show in, in our world, but there's also a B Larry King show in the B world. I think that now moving forward, there's going to be media that fuses the two of them so that there's be, the, the B community and the human community is going to start to work together. And there's going to be stories told from the perspectives of both of them. And so because we know that wild mountain time was a play first and, uh, and then you mm-hmm. just informed me recently that uh, the director of that play also made the movie and, or the writer of the play. Yeah. The playwright direct uh, wrote and directed it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the playwright uh, wrote and directed mm-hmm. Wild Mountain Time. I believe that Wild Mountain Time, canonically, is a play that exists in the <laughs> B-movie universe. I think okay. that yeah. this is a uh, a play that you could go see, or, or a movie that you could go see in the B-movie universe. This is a movie that Renee Zellweger and Barry are seeing together. It's very romantic. Uh, mm-hmm. They both are going to find things that they can grab onto in this. I just think uh, it was just really clear to me that Wild Mountain Time is a play from within in the universe of B-movie. A hundred percent. This makes perfect sense <laughs> and is kind of a relief because then I can I can understand how meaningful this would be for Barry and Vanessa to watch. I would yes. say yes. I wonder if there's controversy. I think if you're going to have a B character, they, they cast Jamie Dornan and not a B actor they to did. play him, which... I don't know. Yeah. Again, I'm not a B. I can't say how a B would feel about that um, to be represented by Christian Grey. I wouldn't feel great about that. He's got a weird energy to him. Um. He does. Which, I mean, he was honestly perfect for this role because oh, yes. of his yeah. like weird, because he's like weird, a weird loner that thinks he's, that believes he's energy. a, a um, yeah. yeah. And so I also saw evidence of this being a play written um, from within the B-movie universe because 
one of the central tensions within Wild Mountain Time is over uh, the ownership of like a very small piece of land mm-hmm. on this dirt road in Ireland on this farm uh, where there are like two, a series of two gates that you have to get through in order to drive. What town or region of Ireland? Listen, buddy, it's Ireland. Yeah, it, you are not going to get any specifics uh in, the, in, this, in this film there is uh when john ham is flying because john ham's in this movie everyone oh that was what a shock <laughs> what a choice um after hearing yeah. just wall-to-wall hypercharged irish accents for john draper <laughs> to come in yeah it was it was shocking anyway john ham is flying to ireland and when the plane lands the the captain just goes uh we're going to be landing in ireland not yeah. not a city not a not a specific place just you fucks ireland is one place and we're landing in it and it all looks like this it's all a farm you dumb yanks <laughs> just get your ireland just go out yeah. it's a farm it's green oh boy so sorry and yes yeah but go so on. i i thought like mm-hmm. the the because the like tension in this movie is so small it's on such a small scale i think we've seen that in other movies that uh yeah. i believe that there's evidence that a b playwright from the b movie universe uh, wrote this because it's really about just this like tiny it's about like should these who where should these gates Right. Who, who should own these little these little gates between these two families? And I was like, what a small B problem <laughs> for that for that to be. What a great B plot. Exactly. Um, yeah, and this movie is more more told from the perspective of the woman in the relationship with the B right. than from whereas B movie is very much very lusting after Vanessa and she seems to reciprocate but we don't get her in our life right whereas this movie Emily Blunt sleeper sleeper contender for one of the most tragically horny characters of all time oh yeah oh yeah like just the amount of pure angst and lust she just puts in just walking around her her farm in a shawl Horseback riding in the rain, uh, staring across fields. Just yeah, she she has she's got it real bad. Um, the plot of this movie is Jamie Dornan and Emily Blunt live next to each other. Both their parents, well, they have one parent who's who's uh, who has died, and then at the midway point of their movie. Um, I don't think they show Emily Blunt's mother's death. No. I think she's just, we see it, we cut to her in the ambulance and in then- In the hospital, yeah. Oh boy. So Christopher Walken is in this movie doing an Irish accent. Yeah. When Christopher Walken came on screen, mm-hmm. I lost my mind <laughs> because I then realized that we were going to have to listen to Chris, that someone cast Christopher Walken mm-hmm. to do an Irish accent. Yes. For an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, he's not in the second half of the movie. Yeah. But like, I I thought a, a lot of them were interesting choices because I was under the impression none of them were actually Irish. Apparently, Jamie Dornan is. I thought and for his, sure he was one of the ones. His sounded the fakest. <laughs> I, actually thought, exactly. I actually thought Christopher Walken did okay, but it was still like, oh, it's Christopher Walken. I thought, um, 
And again, this is Epcot, Ireland. This is yes. It's either it's a it's a farm. The, any set is in a field, a farmhouse, or a pub. Yes. Those are the only yeah. three places. This is like if a Shamrock Shake brought a play to the Fringe Festival, like a a weird mm-hmm. avant garde. Yes. Phil, a weird avant-garde play, but with just roaring. This was like some 19th century Irish racism. This is like, I was like, it just depicts Irish people as magical, uh, unable to ever tell each other their feelings. I was like, I have not seen this level of just caricature, like in a hundred (laughs) years. Yeah. No, the absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think John Hamm at some point was like, "Why don't Irish people ever just like, like seize the moment and like do the American?" Oh yeah, and and that is true. That is a good criticism of the leads of this movie. This movie is just Emily Blunt lusting after Jamie Dornan and him using a metal detector and like willfully avoiding her but she never like talks to him about it or uh no they talk around it so much and i guess that's like the every all of the lines in this movie i mean it was like before i knew before uh the credit at the end the credits say like based on the play whatever i just like within the first few lines i was like oh this this has to be a play this has to be adapted from a play just because like everyone is is in such flowery language talking around whatever the idea is and yeah just cryptic yes and with all of the time on their hands why not just be direct with each other like they're they're literally just like farming and enjoying their time mm-hmm. like their lifestyle seems so appealing to me <laughs> oh, um, which of course is like are you are you John Ham? <laughs> <laughs> are you a banker with a fantasy of being a, far- a farmer yeah yes uh, but yeah, it, it makes you feel like John Hamm and like that this is such a what a quaint right. quaint way of life and um, yeah, I guess like a big problem I had with this movie was like <laughs> wanting them to end up together was hard for mm-hmm. me because he seemed Jamie Dornan seemed to be making it very clear that like I just thought like maybe he was maybe he's asexual. Yes. Um, yes, or get or gay, which would like or just not interested in her yeah. sexually, which like is okay, it is an interesting dynamic for a movie. Right. Yeah. Right. But then but then to have us like in the last two minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. like s- sort of accept that they are with each other. It was yeah. really jarring. It was, it, was, jarring. it was so jarring because I thought this would be. Yeah, this of, of course, this this is a relatable dynamic yeah. where one person has feelings for the other person. And for a myri- for myriad reasons, the other person doesn't. Right. Uh, have those feelings exactly and so because they're like childhood friends they're sort of like that um that Wuthering Heights dynamic about it where like they've known each other for so long and that he's an asshole and they're friends but yeah and that he's like this cold this cold jerk (laughs) he's really mean to her he is yeah like Caitlin if I ever ever want dick this badly you need there needs to be an intervention oh my yeah i swear to god emily 
I I know it's Emily Blunt, your character, Rosemary. Like, yeah, he's just not nice to her. Um, she's just she's just like, yeah, I made a decision as a kid that yeah. he's the one for me. I also made a decision that I'm the I'm the white swan from from Swan Lake. And I thought that was interesting. And like, and I actually really liked John Ham Ham's response to that, where he says, "The kind of dreams kids have make adults miserable." I thought that yeah. was kind of profound. Yes. Um, except the dream is, uh, like, in this case, is that they both, to varying levels, believe they are animals. Yes. Yes. That is the specific okay. the specific problem. Yeah. Yes. Which, like, yeah, again, I loved this movie. I liked Emily Blunt just the like just sulking around her farm, uh, being horny. I liked uh, so Jamie Jordan's character is given a white rain jacket that he puts on yes. to go metal detecting, which I thought every time he did that, I was like, this is a wet move, and she's into it. I'm like, all right, yes. all right, you, this is great. At one point, someone said, so it's, it, sh- it should be noted that like for 90% of this movie, it's raining, um, which it, of yeah, course is, yeah. yeah. And there's like mud everywhere and it's, uh, they, there is a bog, there is a bog there. And I yes, was so yeah. happy. I, but we didn't get to see much of it is the, is, was my only complaint. Right, yes, but, yeah. um, but at one point, Emily Blunt says, I was down at the bog cutting turf. There was a lot of heather. And uh, I just love cutting Ooh. turf at the bog. I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And then they say at some <laughs> point, like, it's piss and rain. And I was like, oh, that's disgusting. Oh, why Why would you say it like that? Oh, um, I love it. I love it. I loved the character. I forget what the character's name was, but his only function in it was to, like, he he always gives bad news. He's like, bad news, oh, whatever. Oh, bad news, Cleary. Yeah, this yeah, is bad like, news Cleary. again, just some inauthentic Irish. I mean, it's a funny, a funny thing that would have been good, but like you can tell, an American wrote this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that but there's I did this. Lo- I did like him. Yeah, yeah. That there's a man that will show up and just he he just mostly shouts, but things that like mm-hmm. it's never good news. It's always bad news. Yeah. Um, he's always like spreading a rumor. He spreads this rumor that Jamie Dornan has. Ha- had relations with a donkey um and that keeps coming yeah. up uh which is not funny but you know no well he did see him propose to a donkey oh he yes you're right he specifically it's not he was founded you're it, right he like it was pretty it seemed to be a pretty serious in it, it i think he was trying to like mock propose to emily blunt rather than like, yes he was practicing proposing know. to emily blunt rather than just like having a conversation with her ever um yeah i i will say i haven't read a, a tremendous amount of irish literature but if i re- if i'm correct there is a, a there is a tradition of like magical realism and absolutely for sure and in it and sort of um and supernatural elements and and like and and story stories like this like a man who thinks he he's a bee could be like a very there's i'm sure a tradition of surrealism in in irish literature um so i think that was maybe what the director was and writer was going on yeah on top of like i think he was also trying to do an amalgam of like black swan first with all the white swan bullshit 
and then kind of Birdman too. In that, like, yeah, I kept saying this movie is just so many mixed metaphors. It's yeah. So like, like the like Birdman. It's 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 clearly like the dialogue is like a play, and it's kind of like. It, it kind of flows like a play in the same way that mm-hmm. like a lot of Birdman is is tries to like um, foster that sort of that sort of style. But Birdman mm-hmm. is like surreal and has a vision and like you're like, the, OK, not all of this is literal or like how much of this is literal. Yeah, I think I think Birdman makes it clear that it's it's magical realism. Like it makes it right, clear. Exactly. In this. Yeah. This movie is like straight up a romantic drama until with like peppered in with some like eccentric characters until he announces like 10 minutes before the movie's ending i think i'm a a honeybee i think i'm a bee (laughs) Um, i think i'm a bee and do you like jazz (laughs) (laughs) rosemary rosemary (laughs) rosemary (laughs) do you like Rosemary, do you like jazz? Do you like jazz? <laughs> I think I'm a honeybee, Rosemary. Do you like jazz? <laughs> let's take let's take the air and just watch some bee bee Larry King tonight. Oh yes. We'll just yes. we'll just sleep on we'll just, you know, cuddle up next cuddle up next to each other with a with a Guinness. We'll share a Guinness. Little tiny sips of a Guinness back and forth. We'll do that we'll just, while we we'll fall just asleep to, to bee listen Larry. Listen to some BN yeah. Oh. And we'll just we'll think about when B Saint Patrick liberated the bee snakes from this island. Um Oh boy. And does that inc- okay, does this imply the existence I, I hate to go uh-huh. here of a bee troubles? What's that? Is there a like the troubles in Northern Ireland? Oh, uh like is there because there I assume there's been a bee British Empire. Yes, I think because we know um yeah, because Wild Mountain Time, the entirety of it oh, takes boy. place within the bee movie universe then yes okay. absolutely there have been right. yeah the the yeah, that there's b there's b catholicism there's b protestants there's yeah mm-hmm. so i think i think we know i think we know what happened B-I-R-A. after that yeah. yep 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 great great uh that's not opening up another can of worms for me <laughs> at all not at all yeah so okay so when jamie dornan says he believes that he is a bee and i'm sure like I we're not that i'm a honeybee i yeah. think that i'm a honeybee i we can't be the only ones talking about this but like what exactly does that mean because he that's all he says and he will not say anything beyond that he just says he, he thinks won't explain he's a bee it. he says it's literal yes like, he says he, it's literal they kind of yell at each other and she's like why well, you know i think i'm a swan mm-hmm. uh, cuz she's had this vision that she's the white swan from Mm-hmm. Swan, <laughs> Swan Lake, and I—I I don't remember the plot of Swan Lake. I don't know if that—that that narrative would illuminate anything about her journey. I don't think so because I—the only thing she took from it was the white swan protected him. That's what she took away oh. from the white, which is like a thing that happens. But I don't know that that's what anyone ever like. That's the only thing I could think. There were no other themes of Swan Lake in this, and I looked for them because I okay. like Swan Lake. <laughs> yeah yeah no it swan lake and you're a big uh black swan 
fan. I am, yeah. yes. So someone's yeah. saying, they're like, I must become the white swan. You're like, you get excited that like, yes, this might be like a Natalie Portman ballet movie and it is decidedly not. It is not. Yeah. So he does not behave like a beat. You do see him no. when he's a child, like sniffing a flower. Yes. And like, you do see him be very gentle with bees. Um, so that I think that is maybe foreshadowing. Yes. But materially, like, I don't, yeah, we don't know what he means because she says I'm like metaphorically a swan and he's like, I'm literally mm-hmm. a bee. I literally yeah. think that I'm a bee. But the movie like doesn't say like he is having a delusion or whatever. Right. Like he maybe, he's even like, I know that that sounds like, not like I'm in my right they mind. They both say, yeah. yeah, they both say things like, well, I'm mad and you're mad and we'll be mad together. And I'm like, that's, this is so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> this is like a, yeah. rom- a romance film. Oh, I loved this movie. Um, <laughs> it was so weird. It was, it was so it was, weird. And, and yeah. it really did show, like Ireland is very beautiful. Um, it isn't just the same shots of like rolling green hills and um mm-hmm. i think they even like show like the the cliffs of Mo- mohair or whatever the like yeah classic sh- it was like they were just like fuck it let's just get some uh tourism of ireland footage yeah well i thought like maybe maybe it was supposed to have a quality of like i thought to myself like is this a fairy tale and yes. it's not. No. That would have been cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so because like the way that they introduce the characters and the voiceover, Christopher Walken doing the voiceover yeah. and like telling you a story, it sort of opens the way that like the Princess Bride or something opens. Yes. And so they yeah. they could have made it have a sort of more magical quality yes. to it. And, and it could have been it. maybe yeah. like, yeah, committed to it and have it been like a sort of modern fairy tale of sorts. Yeah. But because they didn't, I yeah, you're left with like vague magical realism at the very very end of the movie and uh and a lot of questions yeah but yeah he at some point says so I knew the twist of the movie yes, which is that yeah. Jamie Dornan believes he's a honeybee I knew that going into it so I was able to sort of look for things throughout right. the movie that which there weren't as many as I thought there were going to be there's he saves a bee he sticks his nose in the flower yeah. that's about it and then uh are bees kind of dicks and like not interested in and romantic uh, attachment, I guess. So. I think that's what they're telling yeah. us. I think that's what they're telling us. But be, I, it makes no sense, though, because yeah. this was from the World of Bee movie where we know that bees are very passionate of, yeah. because of yeah. Barry. I mean, mm-hmm. he's... He didn't have a litigious mind at all. He didn't have no, a mind for No, he legal, didn't. Uh, and, like, matters. he could have because his dad's trying to... He's yeah. trying to uh, give... For no reason... He's trying to give no his reason. farm to John Hamm, the American cousin. And I think some yeah. of it, the the reasoning is that I think they kind of like in a folksy way are trying to allude to the fact that there's a history of mental health issues in the family. Yes. Um, yes. By, but they do it in a very like uh, cute, cutesy, folksy way. Yeah. And so I think that's why he's like cutting him out of out of the will. Yeah. Or- Jamie Dornan says at one point, he says, I have a tiny tininess in my brain. 
he says that. Okay. And I keep, yeah. I kept thinking about that. And mm-hmm. like, I think part of it means like a bee is really tiny. Sure. And he yeah. thinks he's a bee. So yeah. he thinks his brain is small. But also because of how everyone treats him, which is basically like at, you're a ticking time bomb for when the mental illness from the Kelly side of the right, family right. is going to overwhelm you and you're going to kill yourself because that's what they right. keep saying happens. Right. Didn't mm-hmm. like John Kelly thought he was a fish and drowned. Right. Um, so oh, he, I think I think I did pick up on that. Okay, so it's like a family history, or like a curse or something. Yeah, it's a curse. Okay, they yeah. could have established that in yeah in a way as either like like even though that that it would not be a good representation of like how delusions and mental illness right. works. Like right. either take that seriously or make it straight up a fairy tale curse that like. Or ma- or even a magical realism like is it is it a real curse or like right so just- I was reminded a little bit of Big Fish have you seen that movie I have not no but oh I've heard damn it. yeah yeah you would you I feel like you would like that movie that movie is like is it similar to Real Big Fish if I've seen Real Big Fish in concert <laughs> like, uh, I have well, also I seen get it yeah. <laughs> I've also okay. seen him live. <laughs> several times um but uh no they're very different very 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 different um but yeah big fish is is straight up magical realism and there are these like sort of uh generational curses that people are dealing Mm -hmm. with and that and it's like it deals with death and your identity and i would give big fish another watch i guess now that i'm thinking of it because they i remember thinking they dealt with all of these themes in a really deft way yeah and it was because they were so heavy-handed with the magical realism and that influenced the style that they shot in and and it it influenced everything if they had just kind of let that happen with this movie it it would have been better Mm -hmm. because it's Yeah. yeah big fish was able to do it right but and i think that maybe comes from like so this playwright uh, and director. Oh yes, please tell me did, about him. Uh, did doubt the movie Doubt, <laughs> which was a very well received, serious uh, play or play and movie starring Meryl Streep. Yes, I have absolutely no interest in watching it, but I think people love it. Yeah, yeah, people love it. Um, so that's what he did before this. But as far as I know, that's not like a huge. I haven't seen it, but I don't think that's a huge, like, stylistic thing. I think that maybe, he like, having a mind for theater is that theater does not always translate as is to, to film, of course. Right. They're different mediums. Right. And so, like, something that would feel, would work on stage and be kind of, uh, and you'd get kind of, like, the bizarre quality to it. Like, I think of the last scene where they're singing that old wild time song uh and all of the characters who died are like in the or in the room Mm -hmm. or even like side characters who who, um yeah like the the, he he jamie dornan has a like wild night with like a random woman in a bar and like she's there at the end i saw her (laughs) yeah she which is like a very play thing yes absolutely the rest of the cast is on stage for the last number um yeah and like some of the dialogue I thought was like really beautiful. Like Definitely. Uh, Emily Blunt describes she's talking about being depressed, uh, mm-hmm. she's in love with a bee man. Um, being alive, 
is like kettle boiling blood inside of me. It's like a kettle boiling my blood inside of me. I was like, that's pretty metal. But like, that's how it feels sometimes. Yeah. that's that how it that's how it is yeah I also thought there were some really beautiful lines in it like the one that I wrote Mm -hmm. down um I think this is bad news what's his name Cleary oh yeah bad news Cleary he says he says steer clear of the pudding I think it's off so Mm -hmm. you know just just some really beautiful lines of dialogue in this (laughs) movie um Oh, I liked uh, I liked at the end when Jamie Dornan uh, decides that he's going to be in love with Emily Blunt uh, against yeah. everyone's against everyone's uh, real true feelings. He's he's going yeah. to be in love with her and he yeah. kisses her and he picks her up and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, there's a bit of light up there. And I don't know about you, but I'm goddamn tired of living in the rain. And he takes her up there. And I was like, that's like, what a good line. That is such a good good goddamn line. line. (laughs) And also, like, bees, like a lot of insects, they got to follow where the light is. Yes, Um, absolutely. (laughs) What if he was a moth? What if he was a (laughs) moth? If he was a moth man and the whole movie, you just see him keep ramming (laughs) into her light bulbs. That's that's going to be the sequel. She's like, Anthony, I left the light on for you. And he's like, I know. And just slams it. Body slams into her screen porch. Thank you. <laughs> just slams <laughs> into her screen porch. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Oh, and so, okay. Also, like, more evidence, I think, that this is a play from within the B-movie universe. Uh, yes. That that it's raining so much and then at the very end he's like i'm goddamn tired of the rain and they get out into the light and you're like oh my god yeah because all the bees in b movie are they hate rain they can't fly in the rain it's so it like keeps them down and to have jamie dornan just be stuck in the rain for for most of his life as as a honeybee oh that you can just feel the the bee the bee and human writers from within the b movie universe you can just feel that emotion right through uh a honeybee, which is a animal that lives in a collective and does work within a hive system, for him to be mostly alone doing solitary for- farm. Do you think work? that's like maybe part? Is that part of it? Like he's yeah. he's so lonely because he's a honeybee, and and honeybees are not supposed to be alone. I they think, didn't but really I bring feel that like, up. No, because I feel like the movie is like, I can't be with you because I'm a honeybee. Yeah. And like, that's why I can't be in a relationship with you because I'm a solitary exactly. honeybee. Because honey bees famously, famously solitary um, uh, creatures. Oh, boy. I want to talk about uh, Christopher Walken a little bit more. Yeah, let's, a let's very, do that. A very, like, stereotypically Irish thing to do in a movie is to announce that you're die- just casually being like, hello, son, uh, I'm dying. I will be dead by the morning. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Uh, and then um, critical what moment for me. Jamie Dornan's very upset and he just keeps murmuring to himself, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy. Oh, I thought that too. Yeah. I'm like, okay. All right. Um, Yeah. Oh, there's also a part similar to the my daddy thing. It's one of the opening scenes. I think it is the opening scene when, or no, no, sorry. It's uh, when they're the first scene when they're, when Jamie Dornan's grown up 
and Rosemary and her mother come over and uh, they talk about things for a little bit and then Rosemary and her mother leave. And when they leave, the mom just goes, bite, 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 bite. <laughs> like, <laughs> like so many times. I love it. I and love I was it. like, oh, I guess is that, is that an Irish thing or uh, yeah, I guess? We've, we've <laughs> got to assume because this, this movie. Yeah. Okay. So John Hamm showing up kind of putting the moves on Emily Blunt and uh, basically comes in and, and, and then says, listen, I manage money for a living. Super specific. (laughs) (laughs) Love that part in death of a salesman where he's like, I vaguely have a job with money. The American (laughs) dream. Yeah. And then they just call him like the American money, money man. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the yank, the yank money man the yank. who who like he's like i'm an american so i think like logically and i make moves and i like money 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 um sh- i mean okay yeah, ma- marriage is a is a is a business partnership yes yes he tells her yeah he is amy from little women 100 percent um <laughs> i'm always saying that john ham has just been flirting around with the role uh, of Finally playing Amy and Little Women straight through. Yeah. Not, and he finally got it. Adult. He finally yes, got to he, do it. Finally got to do it. Yeah. And I mean, I guess like, yeah, he's just supposed to be Don, Don Draper, but like a little bit nicer. Um, yeah. Uh, the trip to New York I did not see coming. It was very jarring to me. Critical wet moment is she's having a, uh, Emily Blunt's having a, 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 a sexually frustrated cardigan afternoon as she's like every day um yes. and you she's like i'm she's like today's the day i'm the white swan and she's wearing like a white dress and like filmically it looks as if because she kind of runs out the door and then the camera soars and you see like geese so the film is trying to tell me that she takes off yes. very similar to bird Birdman. we don't see her mm-hmm. but it's kind of that that like did she take off and then it cuts to her in an airplane. Mm-hmm. This there, a lot of pre or a lot of um, promo for Aer Lingus. It's got to be. It's the <laughs> only. It's the only airplane they have is one yeah. with a shamrock on it. Caitlin, it's I. It's Ireland. <laughs> it's the city state of Ireland. It's just one place, and there's two farms on it. Yeah, but see, see to me, like that's that's what a bee writing this. A bee uh, from the New script York for City this movie would write this movie. If, yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> so she goes to New York City for one day to ha- to see the ballet. Yes. Um, it would be so funny if she didn't see Swan Lake, but she did. <laughs> They're like, sorry, but there's no Swan Lake right now. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. She was like, I want to, s- I got tickets for the ballet. And then they show the building. And I looked up at the marquee and was like, you know, Swan Lake isn't always playing, <laughs> so uh, I thought maybe they would see that it would just be some different ballet, but yeah. no, it was Swan Lake. It was Swan Lake, uh, and then she goes on like she has a dinner with John Hamm, and yes, uh, he flirts with her, and then they kiss, and she freaks out uh, because she's cheated on her uh, B man that she does not have a relationship with. No. Um, yeah, she just goes, oh, God, oh, oh my God. Oh, God, oh, God, can't believe it. 
Emily Blunt, just you really need a W in this movie. Please, please make out with John Hamm. Just yeah, marry it's John okay. Hamm. Okay, yeah. Don't, don't go with Christian Grey. Oh boy, I is Jamie Dornan gonna be given any roles where, like. I'm going to feel comfortable after watching it. I don't know. In in some ways, I feel kind of bad for him because I'm like, he's not working with a lot of good stuff. But he, but, you know, something, something will come along for something, him. Something, yeah. That'll be good. I mean, because he's been, because I first saw him in The Fall where he plays a serial killer. Oh, geez. And that, he, that he does a good job with. Uh, yeah, he's just a big old creep obviously in that and then christian gray and then this movie um yeah i don't like know much about him as a person but like yeah he's just getting he's just getting these roles um a big a big critically wet critically wet thing in this movie was that so rosemary's mother uh this keeps coming up that she thinks that she keeps saying glass tastes like teeth because something to do with she accidentally like drank a glass that had her husband's dentures in it I think Mm -hmm. and so from then on she thinks glass tastes like teeth but I just they don't explain that and they leave that for a like half the movie and Mm -hmm. then it's explained um and then they just keep talking about it and I was like what a fucking wet concept that glass tastes just like tastes like teeth something tasting like teeth is such a weird wet concept yeah again they have these sort of like idiosyncrasies and like sort of like family sayings and like yeah. family legends but they don't really like mean anything besides the characters just being like haha yeah the tastes like glass and glass tastes this beer tastes like glass and glass tastes like tea yeah it's just to be like these quirky people um I, another critically wet moment for me was the scene where it's it's raining um of course let me be more specific uh, it's the one where she like imprisons him in the house yes. so that she can not confess her feelings for him but like she's trying to like get up to it um, and she says um, oh open the shutters I'll take what comes yeah. when it's raining I was like okay that's clearly a that's a that's a metaphor girl yeah Emily Blunt you are so beautiful yeah, just the, tell yeah, him just, you like him. Just tell Come him, on. or move on. Like, like, yeah, move to move to New York. Become a become the Swan Queen. It's fine. Yeah, and he comes to the door, and before he goes in, I cackled because right outside the door, he gets deluded yes. with such a comical amount of water. It was so funny. It was like a slapstick amount. I think that was like a bear. That was like a real Barry Benson move to just be like, all right, we got to have something for, we got to have something funny, funny to kind of break this tension. Oh yeah. They're like, they're like, this is still in the B movie universe. You got to met. It's the bees from B movie that are going to be watching this movie, this, right. this play. So, you know, you got to throw, throw in some yeah, fun. Yeah. Fun. Oh, if he's sure. if he's a honeybee, oh, wouldn't it be funny for him to have rainwater dumped a bunch on him? Of because... water on him. Yeah. yeah, I I want to talk about some metaphors in this movie. Some failed metaphors. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. There were a, there were a lot of them. 
her horse. Her horse that at the beginning, she rides that horse around. Uh, at the beginning, mm-hmm. the horse keeps, like, escaping. And during the storm, the horse, like, freaks out in the stable. Is that a horse, the sort of manifestation of her feelings and lust for Jamie Dornan? I believe so, because, yeah, he okay. the horse breaks free around the same time that they uh, have their moment together. And then... Right after they kiss, they notice the horse, right? And she says something like, oh, that wild boy of mine or something. And (laughs) I sort of, she does. And I sort of saw her saying it as, yeah, like, oh, oh, these wild, wild feelings. that that just had to them. Yeah. 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 I was repressing them and and then now, now she can express them. Um, Yeah. Yes. That makes me mad as a metaphor. Yeah. yeah, I just would prefer this movie to be literal or... Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, like horses as metaphor for women or women's feelings and stuff is, like, mm-hmm. so tired and overdone and yeah. shitty because it always has to deal... With, most most of the time it has to deal with, like, breaking. Right, um, right, which is right. A, or tame, taming a wild horse. Yeah. Gross. Yes. So it's a little bit tired of a, of yeah. a metaphor and everything. I guess, like... In the end, I don't. I don't even know what the message was. Right. In the end, it was she was just kind of like, "Oh, that wild boy of mine." Like, yeah. okay, so do you need to let him be wild or not? Like, what is you- the what is the message? Yeah, because they just wanted like a romantic ending to the movie, as this was as if this was just a yes. standard romance film. And yes, yeah, it just is wild to me. Yeah, I I agree. I think that horses. Horses, if anything, when associated with women, they should just be in the the Tamara Pierce novels. Absolutely. Which I've talked to you about uh, in that they're just rad as fuck and we're just having some lady nights. Hopefully, has Tamara Pierce done anything horrible? I don't think so at all. Tamara Pierce is... Yeah, I haven't heard anything about... She's tied us out. Right? Yeah, I yeah cool. exactly. In her novels, the horse, if the horse is anything other than just like your, just like your partner in crime and like your your buddy, yeah, yeah, just like don't just leave the horse mm-hmm. metaphor out of it. Yeah, just have like lady knights. They run wild. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I am on Jamie Jamie Dornan's Wikipedia page. Oh yeah, how's he doing? Eleven twelve p.m. where I am every <laughs> night. So personal life, so he's he has three daughters and and a wife. Uh he was in Marie Antoinette where he played the like hot soldier. Uh, I don't think I saw that. The uh, Sofia Coppola's. So that's like that was like a non creepy, just fun, okay, sexy cool. role for him. And he started as a male model. So like that's where he started. Yeah. Um so in, in his personal life it says that he's an atheist and in interviews he has stated that he considers himself Irish. What? <laughs> and okay, so he okay, I don't know if this is a more complex thing about Northern Irish identity. I don't want I don't know if that's what oh, this possibly. is. Oh, possibly. But like, bro, oh yes, it's because he weighs in on being Irish and Irish in Northern Ireland. Okay, so that's a little more complicated identifying as Irish um versus British. That's fair. But just zero context, it seems like 
dude, are people trying to say you're not like, yeah, <laughs> you're in wild mountain time. You're in wild mountain time and you're not even doing the best Irish accent in wild <laughs> mountain time, but you're also not doing the worst accent, Irish accent yes, in wild mountain yeah. time. So, yeah. you know, oh, boy. I was utterly convinced that he was doing an Irish accent. I, so, and he's not. That's just how he talks. <laughs> I like uh, there. I mean, I think maybe he was putting on a regional accent, but oh boy, was really no one else in that? Because Emily Blunt is English. Oh yeah, yeah. For uh, sure. The only one who who might be is Bad News Cleary. Bad News Cleary. Uh, Afa, which I love the name Afa. I do too. She could be Irish. Yeah, I guess that. I, I don't uh, know yeah, that she's actress. An Irish film and. She's, Cool. Film, cool. stage, and television. John Hamm is from Carrie, actually. Uh, yeah, through Interesting. and through Irishman. Christopher Walken. Also, he's from Derry. So no I, shit. Okay. We are eating crow. Uh, For that, real. That uh, Emily Blunt's father killed because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, what were the crow? Because they kept being like, Emily Blunt, your dad killed all the crows. And that's why he was tight as fuck when he lived. Again, more mixed metaphors. Is that a metaphor? I, like, what? I don't know. I So I, I guess we have to interrogate, like, what? So crows are bad for farms, right? Sure. So yeah. if... Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, crows are bad for farms, so he that's why he was trying to kill them. And if he's no longer around to kill the crows, then there's going to be more crows and that will be bad. So it seems like it's a metaphor for something. Yeah. And, okay, so the whole them arguing over this, the pers- this little piece of land between their two farms... I guess it's them, like, negotiating what they mean to each other. God, I wanted to fucking just, like, I fucking hated that shit. I was just like, guys, just, (laughs) maybe this is American in me. Just talk about your feelings. Just take action. Just. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the, the, the tiny plot of land where with those two gates the two annoying gates, I think that was a metaphor for this unspoken thing between the two of them which it wasn't it was just a thing that she felt but yeah because it's something that she's unwilling to part with she's unwilling to resolve yeah. because she's still like she doesn't want to let go of it um but she's uh unwilling to like come to a an agreement yeah. with she she doesn't want to let go of it completely and say like yeah I'll sell it to you but she also doesn't want to like negotiate yeah. about it because she's not ready to tell him how she feels okay. yet yeah I think that's what it was so therefore at the end when they do finally tell each other how they feel or kind of whatever I thought that we were going to get some resolution with the gates but I don't think we did yeah I I don't know like fuck fuck this uh, I just think we, like, as Americans, we fetishize Ireland in a really weird way. Uh, yes. And, like, Irish identity. And it's very it's very strange. And Irish people do not like it. <laughs> For the one time I went to Ireland, they were like, oh, I thought you were German. Because you just, like, you weren't, like, being like, I'm Irish, too. And they're very nice. They're generally very nice people. Very friendly. And I would say they, they just like us, they can be decisive. Yeah. 
In fact, like everyone was uh, coming onto my land and, and declaring their love for me. And I was like, okay. Whoa. And people were just like, like guys, selling guys. each other their plots mm-hmm. of land with two gates on it <laughs> yeah. left and right. They were just like, yep, you can right. have it. They Here were just like, go. yep, business decision. They were managing money. Um, yeah. So those stereotypes that are not true. There was uh, very few B-men. Um, but I didn't get into this part of Ireland. I didn't go go to uh, Ireland, like capital, capital. Yeah, Ireland. you didn't go to um, where the, the Wild Mountain part. Time was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I a, a movie I would recommend for people. I mean, I would recommend this movie for sure. Yeah. Because uh, I really did enjoy it. Is the movie Undine? I don't know if I'm saying that right her name right um and that kind of gets into is this woman who um colin farrell finds a selkie or not and the the movie it's pretty and his daughter thinks she's a selkie like a a mermaid woman and it's the movie's like a little bit unsure but then it's like but it leaves some doubt that she could like either way okay okay magical realism uh, I recommend that. Yeah, uh, Dairy Girls is great. Oh, Dairy Girls um, is so fucking good. Dairy Girls yeah, is everybody fantastic. watched that. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of other Irish media. Oh, um, Undine, that's also Wild Ireland. Undine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because no, Colin just... Colin Farrell's. Yeah. Oh no, I thought you were just telling me about other like movies where there's like a magical realism. Someone believes they may be. Oh yeah. Something yeah. else. Um. Yeah, no, it is similar, but it's it's using like Irish folklore to tell gotcha. that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Whereas this movie is using the folklore of the 2007 uh, comedy animated film B movie. Yes, exactly. Okay, which is is its own thing. Yeah. So I mean, so basically, like, yeah. I guess my point with all of this is, I actually think it's really amazing that this. Mm that wild mountain time is what it is because as as a play that exists in the b movie universe i actually think it's like yes yeah that is really amazing that like a this is essentially Mm -hmm. like a play within a movie and right that is that is astounding honestly there there's nuance in wild mountain time but it doesn't say anything about anything whereas b movie Comes out swinging for the fences. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. It is about, it is, it is a very political movie. Um, like, what other, is there another film where either an alien or another species tries to sue us collectively as, as the human race? Has that been a Star Trek episode? I, it could be, it could be. That, okay. I can't think of one, yeah. but like. That idea. I'm going to write a Star Trek episode. (laughs) Fan fiction, yeah. Um, Yeah, there's definitely got to be at least a fan fiction out there. Yes. That exists, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Buzz Buzz Keanu. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hello, Buzz Buzz Keanu. You like holes? Uh, Buzz Buzz Keanu is such a big fan of both of these. Um, Anyone who's a fan of B movie is, by definition, also a fan of Wild Mountain Time. Honestly, because yes. it's the same. Uh, let's see. I think um, I think just both of these movies really make you think about intercourse between a B 
be and a human. And I just, I really yeah. think just like going down that rabbit hole of mm-hmm. of logic, of, of figuring out how that might work, um, because really, really both movies just want to make you uh make you think about that that's a big hole for me yeah 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 i mean it's gotta it's definitely you know these these movies put the question out there it's not us being weird for thinking these both of these movies uh just say what if yeah what if a human woman and a honeybee had a relationship how would that work yeah uh we're not going to show you details but we'll plant plant it in your heads yeah I yeah I mean I think that bees as a whole as a whole are very whole oriented. <laughs> oh yeah, creatures. yeah. Their hives they make those little uh, trypophobia yep mazes that have holes in them. A lot of little holes. They're always like going down holes. They leave a hole in you if they sting you. They leave a hole in you. They pierce a flower hole with their their nectar yep. gun. They feel when they're the patriarch of their family announces he's dying and then uh, smokes a pipe and then dies. That's a hole in their life um, for 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 one honeybee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're just whole whole fixated creatures. Yes, I think in Wild Mountain Time, an unexpected hole uh, was that bog. I, I I wasn't expecting her to talk about the bog. I thought maybe there was a bog, but like then and there is a shot of it. There's a good there's a good like overhead shot of the bog at one point. Again, I wish there was more than just that one shot. But yeah, um, that was a really uh, d- uh, unexpected, uh-huh. but but a uh, good fun surprise of a hole. Keelan, you got to get to Ireland. It's like I best know, box I know around. I would yeah. love it there. I that's like, yeah, one of the places I want to go when. It's safe to travel again. I just want to like yeah. get a bu- a like a bunch of bees to just hoist a plane <laughs> up in the air and then gently uh, bring it down and then like hover in weird ways before they land. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for that. Let's. We should go on the Wild Mountain Time uh, shooting locations tour. Where we go to- <laughs> yeah one village for like 30 years and then we go to back to new york for one day and then we yes. fly back to ireland it's, uh, <laughs> supposed to be really really thrilling yeah um but not satisfying yeah no it will it will always leave you wanting it will be frustrating yeah oh boy um yeah i think that's all the holes i have it's um, definitely all the holes uh oh boy so the verdict <laughs> All right, so this movie, so B-movie, is as wet as Gloppy the Molasses Monster from Candyland, joining a class action lawsuit along with the iCarly cast against the Disney Corporation for unfairly profiting off the delicious, slightly traumatizing joy they provide for children. Now, Gloppy is a shadowy figure from my childhood. Fucking icon. Wet King, um, love him. Lord Licorice, we'll get into. We'll have a whole, whole, whole episode just on the lore of Candyland because it fascinates so me. So wet. 
It's so wet. It's so interesting. Uh, it has nothing to do with the game. I love it. But but so much to do with it. Um, and yeah, and B-movie, it's wet. It's, it's illegal drama. It's like in theory for children, but very adult. Yes. Adult yes. at the same time. I could do I could do my B movie one. Okay, yes. Yeah, let's stick with B movie. Okay, so <laughs> this is such a cop out. Oh boy. It's just such a cop out. Um so B movie is as wet as and I had to do this because this is the B version of uh something we all know and love um from our own universe. It's B Brundle and B Quave, B Brundle and B Quave. Just a little bit of B Brundle and B Quave. <laughs> so uh when B Seth Brundle <laughs> turned into a B fly, I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what a movie. I didn't think that the B man, the man who thinks he's a B, <laughs> is gonna turn himself into a fly. That's that's wild. Yeah. But um, you know, that's B David Cronenberg. It wasn't for even you. that different. <laughs> he didn't even because no. like, bees and flies. But but um very similar. Yeah, but they had to they had to make it because B. Cronenberg, of course, you know, had to that's Yeah. He had to he had he has to do like his tether, he just he, he <laughs> exactly. has to do whatever David Cronenberg does. Yeah. So uh Wild Mountain Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a what a film. Uh is as wet as if Anna Karenina from the novel Anna Karenina <laughs> went on a St. Patty's Day pub crawl before her untimely death after being spurned by her lover, B. Count Vronsky, played by Michael Sarah. I guess this is a movie. Um, so Anna Karenica, Anna Karenina, a tragically horny character yes. in a tragic doomed romance um, who decides to engage in some, in celebrating Irish stereotypes mm-hmm. Um, in a very art, like artificial, contrived way, much like this movie, and uh, she's also in love with a bee man. And you think it's either going to be a Russian bee man or an Irish bee man? No, it's Michael Sarah. He's doing both <laughs> accents, <laughs> and it's amazing. Ah, that's yeah. that captures it so well. That is exactly how wet <laughs> it makes as much sense as, as the script of that movie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, okay, so then Wild Mountain Time, I think, is as wet as a Shaloub Luge Scrooge Splooge. And the Shaloub Luge Scrooge Splooge is when Tony Shaloub, who just something about both of these movies just screams Tony Shaloub to me. It's true. It's true. And yeah, he's like Tony Shalhoub is like a combination of both of these movies. Um, <laughs> he he does a performance of a Christmas Carol while doing ice luge. So there's just okay. like yeah, there's like <laughs> chains and ghosts and all kinds of stuff. But there's also like just ice shavings and water spraying all over everyone, and everyone's just just drenched. And also a, just the adrenaline and and tension is so high. Um, and everyone's like, why would you do this, Tony? Um, so <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, again, yeah, I think John Hamm's character could have been Scrooge. Like, he, I think he could have just came on screen and been like, hi, I'm literal humbug. Charles <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge. Is his first name Charles? I don't know. 
Uh, no, Xavier I think MTV his name is Ebenezer Scrooge. Okay. <laughs> I added an extra name. Yeah. You're welcome. I work really hard for this podcast. I, I just, Ebenezer's more of a middle name. It um, is. No, you're I right. Think, I think I was confusing him with, I always get Charles Xavier and Ebenezer Scrooge. Cross. <laughs> Similar, similar character. Oh, it's a shame. Well, I don't know. It's kind of a shame because Charles Xavier is so nice, I feel like. But, you know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but both just smoking hot. Both <laughs> just so yeah. hot and mm. old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oof. This episode is brought to you by Emily Blunt's Unrequited Lust Cardigans. Are you just a woman that likes gazing across a field at a man with a metal detector and a white raincoat that thinks he's a honeybee? Are you incapable of ever telling someone how you feel or, I don't know, moving out of your hometown or really moving anywhere but the, the square foot radius around your farm? Square foot radius. The mile radius around your farm. <laughs> Are you just uh, beautiful and dramatic? Do you go to New York for one day just so you can kiss John Hamm on the lips and feel bad about it? Emily Blunt, Lust Cardigans, for you. It's the crunchiest. This has been a production of Mess and Finesse, a comedy label based out of Somerville, Massachusetts. If you want to hear more of this program or shows like this, please send us an email at admin at messandfinesse.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at M-E-S-S-A-N-D-F-I-N-E-S-S-E dot -S -S com. And for more content, directory of programs, or information on live shows and comedy classes, please visit messandfinesse.com or follow us at Mess and Finesse on social media. Thank you for listening.